Want to learn from Google's Miley Oye and other speakers from ESPN, Condé Nast, WordStream, and more? Come see us at SCJ Summit New York City on November 2nd. Get 10% off your ticket using the code SCJNerd. Learn more at searchenginejournal.com slash SCJSummit2016. Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks. Sign up today for a free 30-day trial at searchenginejournal.com forward slash audible and get your first book for free. We're sitting on the most perfect beach in the world. All we can think about is where... Where can I hook up my quantum? Digital pen part of work. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS report. Who should we send it to first? Just a couple of people. The question is, who are they going to send it to? This podcast is brought to you by Search Engine Journal, and you're listening to Marketing Nerds. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Nerds. My name is Kelsey Jones. I'm the executive editor at Search Engine Journal, and I'm joined here today by a fellow Kansas Cityan, John Jantz. He is the founder and president of Duct Tape Marketing. John, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Oh, you bet, Kelsey. Yeah, we could we could have done this in a coffee shop. I don't often get interviewed by people that are just down the street. I know. We could have been in the same office. Me neither. <laughs> I've never – at PubCon, we've interviewed people in person, but that's about it. Never in Kansas City. <laughs> well, there's a the first for everything. Exactly. So I wanted to bring you on to talk about your new book that just came out. Uh, when we're recording it, it will be this week, but when it's published, it'll be – um, the last month. And so your new book's called SEO for Growth. And so to kind of kick it off, do you mind giving us an overview of what it's about? Well, you bet. So, you know, obviously the word SEO means we're going to talk about search engine optimization, but we intentionally chose the word uh, growth. And by the way, I have a, a co-author on this uh, book, Phil Singleton, uh, SEO, practicing SEO uh, uh, pro, but uh, we intentionally chose the word growth because that's a strategic word. And and what we're really trying to do ultimately with this book is kind of raise the level of how people think about SEO. Uh, that it's no longer just, I mean, the book's not titled, you know, SEO for links or SEO for traffic or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it is all about how we think strategically now about search engine optimization and, and how it has to actually inform and integrate with many of the other channels uh, in order for any of them to to, to really work ef- effectively. I mean, uh, you know, any anybody who spent 10 minutes trying to do some search engine optimization realizes that you can't do it without great consistent a plan, you know, for content marketing. So, yep, uh, exactly. that's that's really uh, what we're trying to do. So, the subtitle of this book is The Ultimate Guide for Marketers, Entrepreneurs and Web Designers and um and, and you know, our belief is that all of those people you know, need to be involved in the strategic thought process of, you know, how everything we do online is integrated and SEO is in some ways uh, the glue to hold it all together. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Whenever I uh, worked in companies, a lot of times the whole area of search was siloed. Um, and so, you know, it really is a process trying to get all these departments to work together and to realize how they can help each other. Like sales and customer service, I always tell my clients are great resources for content and for figuring out what people need and what they're searching for. Yeah, there's there's no question about that. In fact, a lot of these organizations that really struggle today because they've got one marketing person who's supposed to produce all the content about a product he or she doesn't really know anything about, um, <laughs> yeah. and those you know those engineers and customer service people and salespeople are, are are like fountains of of content if you can just find the right way to channel it. Yeah, exactly. It is a process for sure. 
So in terms of when somebody talks about business growth, you know, it sounds bad, but a lot of times I don't even necessarily think about marketing or think about search right away. A lot of people, I think, associate the word growth with sales. And so yeah. what are some areas that search specifically can help with business growth to kind of move past that mindset? Well, I think there are a couple. I mean, there's some there's some very tactical things that I'll talk about, but there's I just, I want to stay on this topic of strategy because I think that some of the foundational uh, SEO uh, practices or elements actually help you do a really good a much better job at understanding um messaging at understanding who your ideal client is on understanding the journey they take uh, you know the intent that they have when they go out there searching a lot of times I think knowing that information and knowing the questions that people ask uh, repeatedly and kind of how they move from each stage of the journey is really one of the best ways for you to create an overarching marketing plan that is going to help you attract uh, the right you know ideal client with the right message and and it's not just about hey, we showed up on page one for this important search term. Mm -hmm. I think it actually can help. I, I think it can actually help you identify the, the messaging, the core messaging that you should be creating to hopefully attract that ideal client. Yeah, I agree because if whenever messaging is consistent across all channels, whether that be you know sales material, your website, PPC ads, social media, it really not only shows off your company as more professional, but it also kind of helps your messaging stick in uh, your audience's mind a lot better. Yeah, and no question, consistent messaging, but I'm going to go before that, the right messaging. True. <laughs> You're yes. right, you know, because because people, you know, one of the great things about all the tools we have now that that many are used, you know, keyword research and competitive research, you know, all the tools we have for that now, in many cases, using those tools can actually help you identify the right messaging. Yeah, and that was something I actually was going to ask you about uh, while we were recording. What are some of your favorite tools to kind of identify that or whenever you're working with a new client on search and kind of outlining what their strategy is going to be? Well, so there's a couple that I, I love to use to it's like there's not one magic thing, you know. It's kind of like yeah. you're making soup, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so kind of a you got to put all these ingredients in, and you don't know what's actually going to come out of it. Uh, but uh, a couple of the tools that I use um, uh, very frequently, one of my favorites for um, keyword research is a tool called KeywordTool.io. Yeah, that's a good um, one. And and what I, probably my favorite attribute of that tool is that it will not just show you. Uh, related searches to search terms, but it will also show you the questions people are asking. I, I don't know. I just really get excited about questions because I think they show so much intent. You know, it's pretty easy to figure out what somebody wants <laughs> when they're asking a question. Um, but uh, that's one of my favorite tools. I actually like. Here's it. I'm going to say this softly so not many people hear me. Um, I love using Wikipedia. Oh. As a research tool. Um, now, part of it is I, I'm an agency. I do work with a lot of industries that are not just marketing. Um, and when I'm trying to figure out an industry that I don't know that much about, um, actually going to Wikipedia, I can find the, the table of contents for a topic or for an industry uh, can really reveal a lot of potential, um, particularly content opportunities or themes or phrases that I might want to, uh, to think about uh, you know, trying to niche down in. Um, Good idea. Uh, obviously, the the Google Keyword Planner. Although you know, depending upon when you're listening to this, who knows what data will actually be in that. Uh, but uh, but that's still a great uh, the 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 thing that that tool offers that nothing else really offers is commercial intent. 
So, you know, after I understand kind of the phrases that I think I want to optimize for or have be my themes, you know, for my editorial calendar, uh, it helps me kind of refine a little bit down to, oh, gosh, people are paying a whole lot for this variation as opposed to this variation. So there must be some conversion going on. So it, it gives me some some clues that way. And then finally, once I really start getting down to the nitty gritty and start saying, okay, what's my content plan going to be maybe based on uh, my keyword research? I love BuzzSumo. Um, Me too. Just, <laughs> Me too. You know, it's basically a search engine that shows you very specific content for any search term, but, but the key ingredient is how it was shared, how much it was shared, who mm-hmm. shared it, where it was shared. And that, uh, can really be some great uh, information when you're when you're trying to to get you know very kind of meta down to what exactly should my content plan include. Yeah, I love BuzzSumo. We use it at SCJ, and I use it for my clients too. Uh, one tool that I just found out about that you might like, um, it's called AnswerThePublic.com. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> I've seen that. I, I, I love the interface. Yeah, so it's kind of like what you said. Um, it shows you what people are searching for, and it's free. And it has this man, you know, pondering life's questions as you're typing it in. So that one's been pretty cool, too. So that's another free tool that I just found out about this year that has always been interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I also like using um, title generators. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll have ideas that I hadn't thought of, especially when it comes to creating content like RYP marketing has one and portent has one that I use too. So a lot of good tools. Like you said, it's kind of a soup and you have to figure out what works best for you and your clients. Well, yeah, and we didn't even get into, you know, sort of looking at link profiles using, say, Ahrefs or or uh, competitive research using a tool like Rival IQ. So I know people love tools, so I'll fill up their heads with those too. Yeah, exactly. And there's always new ones coming out, so it's good right. to just – I always like to ask, you know, who I'm interviewing what their favorites are because a lot of times I'll uh, hear about something I hadn't thought of, like Wikipedia with your suggestion. I, I, I got to give uh, Brian Dean at Backlinko uh, credit for that one too, though. Uh, yeah. He has good ideas. So moving on, um, you know, we talked about strategy and how important that is. What are some areas you see business owners kind of lacking when it comes to SEO and hindering that growth? Well, <laughs> I think the biggest one is a lot of times people practice SEO with the idea of, oh, I want to optimize for this term, or I want this web page to uh, to show you know high in the search engines, um, and I think that what happens with that kind of thinking is that it's very it's in a lot of times it's very short term thinking, um, as opposed to kind of having. I mean, what we do is we do keyword research, and we use that keyword research quite often to create an annual editorial calendar. So we'll we'll block out here are ten or twelve kind of core themes that we know that if we come back to them. Four and five times, or maybe we even, in many cases, we'll say this is going to be our theme for the month, and so we're going to have special focus on, you know, this keyword phrase or topics, you know, related to this keyword phrase, um, with the idea that in a year we, we will have built an asset that includes um, very uh, focused content and maybe five and six pieces of content around a dozen or or even half a dozen terms. Uh, with the idea that that now all of a sudden we have we have built uh, a, an asset that can be used in not only in SEO but in with our sales teams and that we can maybe repurpose into other forms of content that we can start recirculating so that you know long term 
we start uh, showing up, I think, or building a bit of a war chest um, uh, of content that will allow us to rank for you know, that half a dozen key terms or those, you know, 10 phrases, uh, as opposed to really, uh, just kind of coming up with the idea of the week that we want to, you know, in many cases we'll write content and then we'll say, okay, how do we optimize this? You know, as opposed to <laughs> here's, here's our optimization plan, you know, let's write some content that fits into it. Yeah. Like putting the cart before the horse. So planning is key for everything. Yeah. I mean, and for us, when we do that, it, it, it starts dictating, I mean, I mean, we get a lot of requests, as I know you do, for uh, for guests, people that want to contribute content. Well, mm-hmm. now we can tell them, well, here's our here's what we want content on, um, or we'll go out and find uh, you know guests uh, for my podcast, and a lot of times it will be related to the theme for the month. So it just just helps us keep focused. And when, when you you know, I mean, there's there's just you know, I work with so many small business owners that uh, they wake up on Monday and decide what they're going to do that week for marketing. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's, there's, there's so much freedom in having a plan <laughs> that, uh, that really allows you um, – it, without a plan, you can't delegate. And if you can't delegate, you're going to be pretty stuck. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, I've talked to so many people. It's kind of fly by the seat of their pants because they feel like they're already behind. So they right. think it's more valuable to just jump in and go versus having a plan. But I feel like now today's you know internet users are so savvy that they can tell even if it's subconsciously when something is just kind of sloppily put together and it has an effect on how people perceive your business. So even again, like I said, if it's subconsciously, if I go to a website and things aren't laid out right, maybe some links don't work, the content just seems random and not useful, that subtly affects my perception of the company. I'd rather, you know, see a company that maybe takes longer to produce things, but when they publish something and it's really great, that's what I look forward to versus uh, somebody that's just chugging things out, but they're never really that good. Well, and I think that's in some ways that's the good news because, you know, a couple of years ago, it was just more, 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 more. You got to produce every day, you know, and now I think people are realizing that it's okay to publish once a week, heck, maybe once a month, <laughs> if it's going to be something that is uh, so, you know, so valuable that people are going to share it, uh, the search engines are going to appreciate it, uh, you are actually going to, you know, get long-term value out of it um, and and use it as a resource in many ways. You know, the the bar is so high now in terms of the quality of content that people are putting out there that it... Exactly. It, it it does you know in some ways <clears throat> means we have to put out better quality but the good news is i think people have realized we don't have to put out so much quantity exactly you're exactly right <laughs> because like you said when there was that push a few years ago people are overwhelmed now i feel overwhelmed you know just browsing through facebook or maybe feedly or medium i don't even know what to read first because there's so much content so you know, I'd much rather spend my time reading one quality article versus trying to sift through and decide what I should be reading. Yep, absolutely. So moving a little bit past content, I wanted to talk about a couple other aspects of SEO. Um, So specifically local SEO. I know since you work with a lot of small businesses, you probably deal a lot with local SEO. How does that tie into uh, the concepts you outlined in your new book? Well, everything we've talked about so far applies really to to the local business. Now, there are certainly some uh, more tactical, maybe even a little slightly technical <laughs> aspects that uh, that 
come into play when we're talking about a local business. I mean, you, you know, the local business needs to be found when that person picks up their phones looking for uh, a new beauty salon. Um, and so, um, they have to pay special attention to a couple elements, certainly to, uh, Google my business, uh, and Google maps. And now of course, even Apple maps, you know, the, the things that make businesses show up when we're, we're looking for that local business, uh, they have to pay, I think, potentially more, um, attention to reviews, um, uh, in Google and in Yelp and in Facebook and some of the places where people leave reviews today, they have to pay attention to these crazy directory citation things that, uh, that, you know, all the phone books and all the aggregators and all the people in, if you've had, two different phone numbers or two different addresses in your business, there's a good chance they're wrong in, in some place. And so they have to get all those cleaned up. And it's really just a, a collection of a couple special signals, I guess, if you will, that, that the search engines use for uh, local businesses. And, and so they have to actually play a few different games and, and pull a few more levers to send the signals that, yes, I am indeed a local business. I'm a local business people like. I'm a local business that people shop at. And and certainly, uh, you know, looping back to content, uh, you know, they, they need to pay maybe some special attention to localizing some of their content. Um, you know, a number of people have have found lots of ways to to scam the search engines with with uh, uh, localized content, but I'm really just talking about things that that truly are helpful to your potential customers. Uh, but uh, so those are those are a handful of considerations that apply specifically to local businesses. Yeah, in regards to the local content, I've seen a lot of businesses that you wouldn't think would do well with local content that have actually been amazing at it. So, for instance, there's a realtor here in Kansas City. Oh, of course, ironically, I'm like, I can't remember his name, but um, he does amazing local content. So because he's a realtor in Kansas City, a lot of his blog content is focused on um, things that that uh, that are happening in the community. So, you know, maybe a fall festival. He has a fall festival blog post with a list of mm, all the places right. they can go to. Um, he'll talk about trends in the Kansas City market. You know, maybe the quality of life is the best in Olathe or wherever else. And so it really has given me hope that, you know, any industry can really publish good local content. But I think what makes the difference is that you're not trying to push something that doesn't fit with your voice and you're not trying to include local cities or keywords just because you're trying to rank. It needs to be natural and it needs to be useful to the audience. Yeah, and, and the good news is the, the search engines uh, have continually gotten better at uh, sniffing that out. I mean, it's not perfect, obviously. Uh, we've all seen examples of great content not get ranked and vice versa, really you know, bad content get ranked. Uh, but they've certainly gotten a lot better at that. But I, I, to your point, I've always been a fan of, you know, I think just about any local business can can see themselves as an asset in the community by sharing, you know, events and happenings and things going on in their community. That's a really great and useful way to, uh, I think, to approach uh, local content. Agreed. So another thing that I think a lot of people sometimes push in terms of a local SEO strategy is link building. Mm -hmm. And I know that that some people, it's a little controversial now, I feel like, because there's been some, you know, Google has frowned upon links that have been 
uh, paid for, stuff like that. Sometimes guest blogging isn't done the right way and it's just to get a link. So what's, I'm curious to see, you know, what your um, approach is to link building and what you think, how you think it can be done in a good way. Well, I think that there's no question the search engines realized how much abuse there was, you know, in that, you know, they made that an important ranking factor. And so people figured out how to abuse it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so they've, they've kind of swung back the other way and, and, you know, really gotten tough on what they see as, as, you know, bad practices. But I think that, um, I, I link building still an important factor, but, um, how you get it done uh, is much more. I, I talk about it as being, you know, it, it's much more like uh, networking. Um, that uh, you can't, you you don't do networking or not effectively in in a spammy way, in a way that's inauthentic. Um, and I think that link building is has a lot to do with uh, that same type of practice that you uh, that you start sharing other people's content because it is useful and you know lo and behold in some cases they start sharing your content uh, guest blogging is still a, one of the best ways particularly for somebody who doesn't have a lot of traffic to get exposure to a new audience yes it's great you get a backlink maybe uh, but in a lot of ways uh, you know you have to think about you know a number of reasons that you might do guest blogging and and I I, I know this is really you know Part part of the problem with all the stuff that we're talking about today, Kelsey, is that it takes work. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you yeah. you can't pay somebody a hundred bucks a month and expect them to uh, to do all of this for you magically. Um, so, just like effective networking, you know, you've got to go out there and find the strategic partners. You've got to find the other content producers, the the, the other people. You know, like that real estate agent. You know, should be taking content from. The remodeling contractor and the decorator and the lawn service and you know all the other things that are related to um, to to homeowners and home buying, um, but uh, that, that would also be some great strategic partners for you know potential opportunities to to share content, to swap content, to link to each other's content. Again, I think the simple rule can be is if if getting a link from somebody or linking to somebody's content can benefit your prospects and customers today, then it's a good practice. And so I think that's a a really simple that's my sort of simple rule of thumb for measuring everything that we do. Uh, but uh, uh, you know it, it it just has to be done in in you know much more like effective networking is done today. I think. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. That you should think of link building as networking. I haven't heard that one yet. I mean, there's still practices, of course. You know, you go onto BuzzSumo and you find a competitor's content that is a lot of people have shared and linked to, and you might find a couple people in there that like to share and link to that kind of content, which you can also produce. Uh, so that may, you know, that may help you kind of build a list or an audience of some natural places that you might go looking for content. But uh, in the end, it's it's really got to be kind of almost a a one to one, you know, hand to hand type of thing. Yeah, agreed for sure. So another thing to kind of wrap it up today, what I really like to ask people that are thought leaders in our industry, which you probably know it, but you're considered a thought leader in (laughs) industry, a big deal, even though you don't act like it and you're very humble and approachable, which is awesome. Oh, say say more. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, But I always like to ask how you stay current in our industry because obviously you've worked really hard to build duct tape marketing and, you know, you're an author of several books. You know, what do you do to kind of stay stay up to date and see what's happening, see what the trends are? 
stuff like that. Yeah, I guess, you know, I love this industry. I love reading about the new things. So it's not hard for me to stay very curious, you know, and, yeah. and so that that part helps. But um, because I interview a lot of authors, I, I, you know, I must read some part of 100 books a year. Uh, yeah. I have uh, a feed reader loaded up with about 100 blogs, and I, I do a decent job at, at adding and pruning that to, to kind of hear some new voices. Uh, I probably use social media more for that um, than than really you know blasting out my content it's a great place for me to to you know kind of easily scan and see what people are talking about as kind of the the next thing and and the tools and of course you know pl- tool places like product hunt um, you know, a great place to to see stuff that comes online. You know, that day <laughs> you can see it. Uh, so I think it's it's kind of more of a routine and a process as much as um, anything. And and that process just includes kind of going through and and scanning and you know staying on top of uh, things that uh, that are coming out that kind of make that that are easy for me to consume. I mean, easy for me to get to because I've set up a process. Yeah, that's what I do. I just take about 20 minutes every day, 20 to 30 minutes, and just read through my Feedly. So I don't know what RSS reader you use, but with Feedly, you can uh, subscribe to groups of blogs that other people have set up if you have the paid account. So there's a bunch of them, a bunch of people have set up, you know, SEO blogs, marketing blogs, content marketing. And so it makes it really easy to follow a large group of websites at once and stay up to date. Yeah, that's right. No, I use Feedly as as well, and and that was one of the gosh, um, you know, I've been thinking thirteen, fourteen years ago. You know, when this stuff first first came on, uh, we had Google Reader, and gosh, there was another one. Blog Lines was another one oh. that uh, uh, that uh, was was my original feed reader. It uh, no longer exists. In fact, neither one of those exists today. And so, uh, um, I, Feedly is really the best answer for sure. Definitely. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us today. I thought it was really insightful and you had a lot of good uh, points about growth for her SEO for growth with your new book. Hey, well, thanks so much. Can can we send people to that website, seoforgrowth.com, if you want to find out some more information on uh, the book? Awesome. Yeah. Thank you again. My pleasure. This Marketing Nerds podcast has been brought to you by Search Engine Journal. For more news, interviews, and how-to guides from marketing experts from around the world, visit us at searchenginejournal.com.